0: Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sunny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark, uh, and I'm very pleased to be joined again by CNN's Frank Pelota. Uh, I wanted to get Frank on because we, uh, we at the end of the last t- week's, or last time I had him on uh, a month or two back, we were like, we got to talk about what's going on at the box office. We got some big things coming up. Uh, and then after Top Gun Maverick's huge holds, not really the huge opening, the the opening was surprise, but it's the holds that have really caught everybody's attention. Uh, he was like, I got to come back on and we got to talk about it. We got to do a special Top Gun Maverick episode. Frank, what's up with Top Gun Maverick? What is happening with this movie?
1: I mean, everything is 1986 again. It's incredible. Inflation's high. The Mets are good. You know, Top Gun is the best movie in theaters. No, I think what's really interesting here is that If you talk to a lot of people two years ago, the belief was going to be that the industry right now would be either dead, dying, or on its way out. And something interesting has happened where it's kind of reverted to where it was not before the pandemic, but years ago, like when I was even growing up. You look at something like Top Gun, what makes this so interesting is twofold. Is one, the hold is incredible. The hold is something we have not seen for a blockbuster film in a very, very long time. And for the people who don't understand what we're talking about, people are still going to see the movie. Usually movies, especially over the last decade, have been really front-loaded, which means they make a ton of money. They make hundreds of millions of dollars. It's kind of like a hit and run. They they hit the big opening and then you don't really then they drop 60, 70% the second weekend. And then they, you know, at that point, though, they've already made hundreds of millions, everyone goes home happy. This is pretty much how Marvel has operated for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. Now, what's interesting about Top Gun is it opens to a record opening over Memorial Day weekend, which is pretty incredible. But what's even more incredible is that its second weekend was the lowest drop of any movie that has made over 100 million dollars for its opening, and it hasn't slowed down since. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the movie has incredible word of mouth. And I can speak to this as well, because I've been talking to people, you know, the last couple of weeks who have not gone to movies in years. Who have gone to see Top Gun Maverick? Who talk? Who tell other people to go see Top Gun Maverick? Who are seeing it multiple times? It's just something that is completely how the industry used to work, where a movie would open big based on you know a, a, a movie star. This is obviously also based on IP, but even that's a bit different because this isn't something that you even needed to see the original Top Gun. It helps, but the original Top Gun was. 30-something years ago. Mm -hmm. And so there's people who are seeing it of all ages, especially an older demographic, which a lot of people didn't think was going to come back to the theater. And that's the second biggest point, is that this movie is bringing back older demographics, people over the age of 35 who thought the movies have kind of passed them by and they're loving it. They're talking about it. And we've seen actually a few other movies since then play to an older demographic that have done well as well.
0: Well, so let's talk about this. What have you heard from uh, theatrical and uh, distribution folks who who are talking about the effect that Top Gun Maverick has had on getting. Older audiences back out to see, say, Elvis, right? I know if you looked at the exit polling, uh, the number one factor of people who decided they wanted to go see Elvis was uh, the trailer that they saw for Elvis. And people saw that trailer in front of Top Gun Maverick. I mean, especially the older audiences, which, as you said, had not come back. What is it? Is it like a dam breaking sort of moment or are the floodgates open again?
1: I mean, I would say yes. But the thing is about this is that the one thing you learn about covering Hollywood is the old William Goldman quote, nobody knows anything. And what we are trying to figure out here is, 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 is Top Gun the exception or the rule? I would say looking at Elvis and looking at some of the other uh, seemingly, you know, Good holds of movies across the year, you know, things like Every, uh, Everywhere, Everything, Ohio.
0: Everything, Everywhere, movie. All at Once. Best movie there of the year so far. All right.
1: Yes, yes. Best movie of the year so far that no one, including me, can pronounce. <laughs> um, these have had incredible holds. And what I think is happening is we're getting to an inflection point where... Over the last, you know, decade, we've you've had to kind of watch multiple movies to understand the movie that you're watching, which is going to be talking about really the next movie you're watching. Now streaming has come in where sometimes you have to watch a bunch of TV shows to understand the movie you're watching. And I think people are just getting really tired of it. I think people are getting really tired of this constant, you know, the ninth, 10th movie in a franchise. And it's just kind of like diminishing returns. We're starting to get to a point where blockbusters used to be fast food, you know, they used to be delicious fast food. And now it's just reheated fast food. It's not even fast food. It's just the fast food you bought a couple, you know, days ago that you're going to stick in the microwave because it's food. And I think people are getting a bit sick of it. And I think especially we've seen... Uh, you know, older demographics come back in droves. And I think after this weekend with minions, that is another aspect of this that we've seen is that now families are coming back. And if you get an older demographic to come back with movies like Top Gun, and Elvis and Elvis has had a really nice hold so far. And I think that's going to continue to do so, you know, and have families come back after minions. I think we're going to see a very kind of stabilized kind of, uh, you know, ecosystem here that's very interesting going forward.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about Minions because obviously Minions, huge 4th of July uh, weekend numbers. I I say it's a five-day opening weekend. We've we've discussed this a little bit. Uh, But, uh, you know, because the the previews, the quote-unquote previews started at, I think, 2 or 3 p.m. on Thursday, uh, which is a full day. That's a full day, people. You have to – that is – this is shenanigans at the it's box. Fair. That's
1: a fair point. It's a fair <laughs> point. Every studio in the world would disagree with you. But I, fair
0: I know I, I refuse to I refuse to play their game. Uh, but the but that that movie massively exceeded expectations. Uh, and it's a stark contrast to Lightyear, which massively underperformed expectations. Um, and there, there are two questions that I have here. The, the first is what what's going on with the family? Uh, market segment right now because it feels to me like there is a there is a pent up demand, um, but there is still some hesitance to go back. But also, uh, what is going on with projections? Because projections have been kind of all over the place, uh, these last these last couple months. Nobody seems to have any idea who is coming back to the box office and why.
1: Yes, so let's start with the first one. Let's talk about family films. So I wanna actually, what I think is really interesting about Minions is I see it as the mirror reflection of Lightyear. And what do I mean by that? So one, Lightyear is, if no one knows, was the Pixar movie about the Buzz Lightyear origin story. It's not about the toy, it's about the man who the toy was based on, which is actually the movie the toy was based on. And the fact that I have to explain all of this is one of the reasons why the movie did not work. It, it just was not marketed well. It did not make a lot of sense. It wasn't tied to Toy Story. Was like an adjacent thing. So what I mean by mirror reflections is that people were wondering why did Lightyear flop? And people would go, Well, the marketing's not very good. Uh, you know, Pixar movies have been on streaming, so people got used to that potentially. And there was the whole culture war stuff because there is a, a a lesbian couple in the film and there's a kiss, and that people have been up in arms about that, right? Right. So those are three things on the minion side. So minions has a very straightforward marketing idea. It is the minions. It is brew. You don't really have to market it. Do you like these things? Do you like these yellow, yellow, chaotic globs? Well, guess what? There's another movie about it. Bring your kids. That's the marketing thing of that. Uh, Number two is that Universal held this movie. This movie was supposed to be out in 2020. It was delayed multiple times. Universal held it. And that looks like it paid off handsomely for them. They refused to put it on streaming. And then number three, there is another thing that cannot be quantified in the same way that did the culture war stuff hurt Buzz Lightyear? We don't know. We don't know if that hurt Lightyear. In the same way that we can't really tell if this gentle minions TikTok trend <laughs> boosted minions. There's some demographics that show that 15% were 18 to 24, which is a pretty good demographic. Mm-hmm. So maybe it did help, but these are this is how I see both of these things, where it was like, you know, you have basically your two paths of family films, something that is kind of not really greatly marketed, went to streaming, and may have pissed off a lot of people. And then on the other side of that, you have something that is very well marketed, that, uh, was held from streaming and may have gotten a boost from trending. So that's what I find interesting there. And I think there is a demand for family films. I think people want to take their kids back to movies. I think we've seen that away from Minions. Sonic the Hedgehog did really well this year. The Bad Guys was in theaters forever. That did pretty well. Mm -hmm. And that was based on really not a lot of IP Um, so I think there is definitely demand and as more kids get vaccinated, I think we'll see that more and more, but it's interesting. There's not a lot of family films out there. They kind of held them back, which leads to the projection question you asked me. So basically projections have always been a kind of crap shoot for studios. The reason they do them is so when they overshoot them, they can get a lot of press. But there's also a practical purpose for theaters as well, that if there is an idea of how much a movie is going to make, then you can properly staff your your movie theater. So, you know, if there's an Avengers Endgame opening, you know that that movie is going to make $300 million. So you want to have a lot of staff on You know, compared to a smaller movie that's going to make $30 million, it's you may not need as much staff. So there is a practical reason for that. But I think between the I see a connection between the family film stuff, and the projection stuff. I think studios weren't sure how things were going to play out this summer. I think this has been the best case scenario for them so far, but there was a world in which there was another Omicron or a Delta variant that just knocked everybody on their butts and scared families away. And I think that they're just kind of still putting the projections out there. Now, I'm not giving studios too much credit here because I do think they're just lowballing so that they can be really high. I mean, mm-hmm. but but that being said, I mean Disney projected that Lightyear was going to make seventy. It came in at fifty. You know, Minions was projected for seventy five. Came in at one twenty five. So I think right now they're still trying to figure out their footing as we're going through this pandemic that is still ongoing.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's. You know, it's interesting because it's polling, it's math. These are these are things that people in the political world obviously pay a lot of attention to. I, I could talk about the science of polling all day long. Um, and I, I am I am fascinated that everything has been kind of so wild and chaotic. Uh, but it is it is just hard to tell. I mean, I going back to Top Gun Maverick for a second, I, I don't think I mean, look, this movie has a multiple of five already. Um, right. And I, if it if it gets up to seven hundred million dollars, right, which is really rarefied air, that's that's a movie that did roughly six times its opening weekend. I don't think anybody expected that. I don't think anybody was. No. I don't think anybody was expecting that sort of hold. I think movie. people
1: expected 700 million worldwide was the high up. And right now it's going to cross like 1.1 billion. Right. Soon. So like, remember, this is Tom Cruise's only billion dollar film yeah. ever. So like he's had a long career of hits.
0: So. I mean, it's it's his, it's his biggest grossing international picture. It's his biggest grossing yep. domestic picture. I mean, it is interesting to think about Tom Cruise. I, 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 you know, some some wags were passing around some of the, you know, mid 2000s. Uh, interviews he he did, you know, uh, in his in his very aggressive Scientology phase. And it is it is interesting to see how much he pulled back from all of that and just became like movie star guy. I think that I, I, I think that is I think that is a, uh, a an underrated explanation for why he has kind of come back so much. In the last, yeah, few years. I, I think he's also saw an
1: opening. I think you know Tom Cruise has always been a survivor. He's always tried. Like if you really look at Tom Cruise's career, he's done pretty much everything for the most part, except like he hasn't played a superhero. But let's be quite honest, Maverick and Ethan Hunt are yeah. superheroes, yeah. and Tom Cruise himself is a superhero. That's his kind of uh, you know image. But he's played he's done everything he's done magnolia he's done you know risky business he did a few good men he's he's and then he's done franchise movies like mission impossible and i think top gun was different because the thing i keep wondering is why has a mission impossible done this type of business and i think there is something about this movie that had not been around in 35 years that came back just at the right time and everyone keeps talking about well what about the i guess this means there's gonna be a top gun three Maybe there will be, but I don't think it will reach these types of levels. I think this was a, just a special lightning in a bottle type of situation. And I think it's happening at a time when the industry is desperate for movies like this that are, you know, based on IP but aren't shoving fan service down your mouth, that are for everybody from age 18 to 78. You know, my mom has seen two movies. My mom hasn't gone to movies in like 5 years. She's seen two movies in the last month and that is Top Gun and Elvis. Yeah. And that tells me everything I need to be. And I think the studios really need to not discredit this. I think they need to look at this and say there is an audience that is still there over the age of 35 and we can still sell our superhero stuff and our connected universe stuff. But I think there is a movie universe here where people want to see stuff that reminds them of how things used to be and not just uh, rehashing of what things used to be.
0: So what does Disney do here in the next uh, year or two? Do they move every animated film to Disney Plus uh, and just become a Marvel centric theatrical product? I mean, I I, what are you hearing from folks uh, in in the business about what Disney is going to focus on here? Well, forward. Disney's
1: really in a very precarious position, which is really interesting because if you talk to me in 2019, I would have been like, oh, Disney can't do anything wrong. It's mm-hmm. $7 billion movies. Yeah. Uh, I think what's really interesting here about Disney is they just uh, they just signed a new contract for three years with Bob Chapek, the CEO, and he's going to make a lot of these decisions. And I think what's going to be interesting here is I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with Thor this weekend. Um, There hasn't been a lot of buzz around Thor, and I think Mm -hmm. the reviews are pretty lukewarm. I think the reviews have been pretty lukewarm for a lot of the Marvel movies. Shang-Chi was pretty well reviewed, but I I think we're getting to what I like to call a meh Type of situation oh, where everything seems mammal. everything seems mevil. meh, man. Nah. It's meh. Every, like I saw, I talked to a bunch of people who've seen Thor. I was like, "How was it?" And they were like, "It's fine." <laughs> that's that's kind of where it is now. Like, how is Doctor Strange? It's fine. So like that used to that is completely changed from what Marvel used to be. Marvel used to be an event, and I think it kind of has hurt them a little bit that, I mean, don't get me wrong, and Hurt like, Dr. Strange still made $900 million. Thor's still probably going to make $700 million. Like these are not hurt in a lot of ways, but there, I think there is a certain quality problem to these movies. And you look at Disney overall, you know, a lot of people complained that why wasn't Turning Red put in theaters? And I, I don't know why. I think it could have done really well there. I think people were just concerned about the variants at that point. We were just coming out of Omicron. But what's going to be interesting here is You know, Disney has a projection for Disney Plus at around 224 million subscribers by 2024. I think that's the number I might be, but it's in that range. Mm -hmm. And they just lost cricket rights in India, Mm -hmm. which might not mean nothing to, you know, an animated movie here, but it means everything. Because that's a lot of their, you know, subscribers are in India and they didn't want to pay for those rights. So if they adjust their numbers down and they say this is actually what we're going for now in 2024, I don't think they're going to be as hard pressed to put things on streaming as much. But if they're going to keep to that number, we could see more animated movies go there, especially considering that things like Encanto owned culture mm-hmm. because it went on Disney+. Plus. Would have Lightyear done better on Disney Plus? That's the thing. We don't know. They would have said it probably did well. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Disney was built on animation. And if they're putting the, all their movies into streaming, I think they're playing a very short game that's going to hurt them in the long run. Because if you depend on just one you know, thing, which is Marvel, Because Star Wars is kind of like a complete devoid of a theatrical brand at this point. We have no idea what those movies are going to be. That's a lot of eggs in one basket, especially for even for something as as lucrative as Marvel.
0: It really is. The collapse of Star Wars as a theatrical property has been kind of fascinating to watch. I mean, I, I there's there's talk now that I think the next thing on the schedule is Rogue Squadron which isn't until 2023, the end of 2023. Yeah. Is that right? That's the, mean, Pat,
1: that's, a, that's the Patty Jenkins movie. There's also Taika is going to be doing a Star Wars movie, even though he doesn't know that Natalie Portman was in any of the Star Wars movies. That was funny. I saw
0: that. I saw that. You know, that that struck me as a um, passive-aggressive thing right there. That's the sort of thing I feel like you're doing a little head games. In Hollywood. Maybe. Oh, were you, oh, would you like to be in a star? Have you ever been in a Star Wars movie? Would you like to be in one? I, I uh, just think with yeah, I just think with Disney right now, they just have to figure out what they want to be. Yeah, I, I think I think it's silly for them.
1: I think Lightyear failed because Lightyear itself failed. I've been calling it the solo a Star Wars story of mm-hmm. Pixar. You know, that failed. That was a singular failure. Do mm-hmm. I think do I think turning red would have failed? No. Do I think Encanto still made, Uh, you know, I think one hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though it came out in the middle of the Omicron. Disney still has a ton of theatrical brands that can make millions of dollars, but they got to see what's going to go forward with how international is going to work, especially China, which hasn't been very receptive to their movies. And that's why I'm interested to see how Thor and then Black Panther, if it even opens this fall, which I think it will. I have seen no reason why it wouldn't. Um, How those do, if those do really, really well. And then Strange Worlds, their animated movie in the fall does well, unless they put it directly to streaming, then then we'll know. We'll know by the end of the year where Disney's is going forward.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about... I, I want to get to Black Panther in a minute because there's an interesting question here about the overall shape of the uh, theatrical landscape. Uh, on the one hand, I, I wrote about this last week. Basically, you have... The blockbuster market, which has recovered completely, more or less. I mean, we're you, you, if you look at years past, the three years before the pandemic, the average number of movies that made over three hundred million dollars was eight. You had eight movies a year that made three hundred million dollars, and we'll pretty much get to that point this year. You know, we've got we've four already. I think Minions: Rise of Gru will get there. That's five. I think it's pretty safe to say Thor: Love and Thunder will get there. That'll be six uh and then you know we've got a black panther later in the year we've got an avatar later in the year i think those will probably get there so you're you're looking at your 8 right there but the weird thing is the the middle of the market has completely fallen out the bottom of the middle of the market has completely fallen out and what i what what I, what i mean when i say that is that you know every year you'd have i think the the average number was something like 24 movies that gross between 100 and 250 million dollars they're like not Enormous blockbusters, but still pretty healthy, pretty, pretty well-received uh, movies. You, you'd have 24 of those. So far this year, uh, well, now including Minions, Rise of Gru, and Lightyear, which passed, we've had five, just five. That whole middle of the market has kind of disappeared, and I don't, I don't really see it coming back through the end of this year. There's, there's, a, there's a product problem, right, just in terms of what is out there. There's a huge
1: product problem. And I think what's been really interesting is that I've been seeing a lot of people like, well, you keep talking about, well, there's been this many, all this. We kind of lost the studio. 20th Century Fox, what it used to be, 20th Century Studios, doesn't put out movies in theaters anymore. They yeah. really don't. And they should because I'm looking at movies that they've been putting out lately. So Searchlight put out Fire Island, which was a rom-com based on Fire Island. It stars Boeing Yang. Uh, it's it's focused on a group of uh, gay friends who have a nice, you know, it's based on Pride and Prejudice. It would've done well in theaters, it would've done okay. Um, you know, The Princess, that's another one. It's basically The Raid, but in reverse. It's about a woman trying to get out of a castle. You know, like that would've done well. Prey, the, the the prequel kind of predator story that takes place in Native American times. These are all 20th century movies that aren't getting released in theaters. They're getting released on Hulu, which kind of tells you what Disney is thinking because Disney owns that and they own Hulu and they're pushing everything forward. But these are the movies that could kind of fill in these gaps that I think, again, you're playing a very short game here because the movie industry is based on buzz. That is how you go to the movies. you got to keep foot track coming in so that people keep coming to the movies. They see previews for new movies. They see posters for new movies. They remember how much fun the theatrical experience is. And if there's a if there's a month gap between this movie that's a big deal and the next movie that's a big deal, that's a problem. Look at Thor. Thor opens on July 8th. The next big movie in theaters arguably is July 22nd. And no, that is three weeks of just basically a desert And at this point, I think there's only really one thing that I think might happen that could fill in these gaps easiest of way. And you ready for this one, Sonny? I think you're ready for this one. You ready? Go ahead. I think Netflix has to start releasing their movies into theaters. I think that is a great way to get a lot of their movies into theaters. I think they're going to have a big earnings report this month. There's been a lot of stirring that they're supposed to lose 2 million subscribers. They might even lose more than that. That's a big problem. That stock has already been pretty startling. Think about it this way, next week, did you know that there's a movie opening with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans on Netflix? Did you know that? I well, called, I
0: did, but you
1: did. It's called the Gray Man. if you if you went onto the street right now and asked, hey, are you excited for the Gray Man next week, I would get arrested because they think I was a nut job. That's a problem. like I, I just think I think we're at a point now where the middle can be filled buy some of these streamers. I think the theaters also have to play a better game here. I think the theaters are being really kind of silly and just what's wrong with literally going to these theaters and say, uh, going to these studios and saying, all right, you know, you want to put the princess on Hulu, give it to us. We'll take it same day. We'll take it same day. Cause then you're going to make some money out of it anyway. And we'll make some money out of it anyway. And it keeps this business, keeps the wheel turning because right now after Thor, It's going to get really depleted out there. And unless theaters are going to start putting, you know, re-releasing Top Gun and IMAX again Mm -hmm. or putting out like movies that are anniversaries that are old movies. But then they do something like The Thing that looks completely like crap on the big screen because they don't know how to format it. You're just going to ruin your business and the studios are going to ruin their
0: business. And then it's kind of like self-assured destruction. Well, so this is... uh uh let me i, I want to push back i want to push back slightly on this in the sense that uh i i totally understand why theaters don't want to like shut the window entirely i get i get that that makes sense um but also i do think that there is a chance that we can recondition audiences to go to original pictures right so like what's what are what are the the two big movies coming out after thor there's nope the jordan Peele horror movie and then there's right. bullet train which is the brad pitt uh, Brad Pitt starring David Leach, Leach, Leach yep. directed. Uh, he's the guy who made the Deadpool movies and uh, first John Wick. And he's, he's great, great director of action stuff. Uh, but you know, I like, these are two movies that kind of have to hit at least right. in that 150 to $250 million range for, for the, the theatrical experience to work. And I, I almost wonder if it's like, well, if we just give the audiences, nothing else to see, This will get them back to the original movies that have kind of died out over the last five to 10 years.
1: That could as well, or it could just backfire completely and the movies make no money. So
0: like, that's
1: the question you got to ask. You're talking about Nope. So if Nope has to hit the one, what'd you say, over 200000000 well, say.
0: million? Let's just say it has to be in line with Get Out or Us, both of which grossed about $175 million.
1: Right. I mean, that seems about right, but that's really going to p- depend on the reviews of that movie. Um, Bullet Train, I mean, Brad Pitt is still a movie star, but like that's going to really depend on the reviews of that movie. This is all going to really come down to word of mouth and reviews. But if you're looking at, like, I, I mean, there, I think there is an audience. What I'm trying to say is obviously I don't think theaters should just close down the window. What I'm trying to say is there needs to be some sort of more discussion about getting these movies that are going just directly to streaming for no reason, like there's no reason that a movie like The Princess, which I doubt cost a ton of money, you know, went directly to Hulu that could have gotten a nice theatrical release. So I'm looking at the domestic top 20. And there are some there there's an audience here for original movies, like look at something like the bad guys, that's a family film that made $96 million domestically, you know, uh, the Lost City made $105 million domestically dog made $61 million domestically, you know, like these movies, even something I know Uncharted is based on a video game, but Uncharted still made 150 million dollars and that's the first movie of what's probably going to become a franchise there's nothing wrong with those types of movies people want to see stuff that's not based on the eighth or ninth interval of something but i think theaters and studios have to give them that to your point of training them to kind of come back because the audiences are getting used to just watching stuff at home and that's where i think stuff like you know netflix is fair like you know they have the knives out sequel coming out like I, i see no reason why something like the gray man at this point wouldn't be released in theaters. I would go see it in theaters. I would. It's not going to cause me to cancel my Netflix subscription because there's other stuff that Netflix has that I want. But every couple times a year, I don't see why they're not doing that as well. It's, it's more money for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really does feel like they're just leaving money on the table. Uh, but, you know. Uh, who who am I to judge Netflix's release strategy? Especially
1: especially if we're going to start if Wall Street is going to start changing, which I think is going to start happening, from a focus on how much subscribers do your streamer have. How much subscribers does it have to how much revenue are you bringing in? Are you profitable? Are you, you know, the old school type of numbers? And if that's the case, then money's money. It doesn't matter where you're getting it from.
0: Yeah, I want to I want to circle back to something just just briefly, because we we talk about this a lot. And I it's it's a thing that I think is underappreciated. And it's this idea that success begets success, right? That the uh, that the the best way to attract audiences back to movie theaters is to show them a trailer for a movie that they want to see. Three weeks later, two weeks later, Mm -hmm. when you're talking to studio heads uh, and, uh, you know, theatrical folks, what do they what are what are they looking at in terms of what gets people to the theaters? What do they cite as like the number one draw the way we convince people to come back outside of like franchise recognizability?
1: Um, It's going to come down to marketing. Everything's marketing. If you are not able to say what your movie is. In a very easy way, then you're not going to be able to sell it to people. Um, we've talked about this before. You know, look at some of the movies that were good and had a lot working for it, and were just poorly marketed. I think I think Lightyear, in a different world, if it was better marketed. Probably opens to its numbers. I think it lost probably ten to fifteen million dollars on people being confused about it. Look at something like The Last Duel, which starred Matt Damon and uh, you know Adam Driver. That was poorly marketed, and that was a movie that could have done better. I mean, obviously, it's hard to judge everything. Even something like West Side Story. It's like, wait, you're making another West Side Story? Oh, it's Steven Spielberg. Like, I just think that audience. I think there's also a level of they know how to sell movies to the young. They know where the young is. They know how to sell a movie on social media. They know how to build that up. I think they've kind of forgotten how to sell the movie to older demographics who aren't spending all their time on social media and finding ways in order to do that in a way that makes it very clear this is what this movie is about. This is who it stars. Here's when it comes out and here's where you can see it. Because I think there's a lot of times where you see a commercial for something. You're like, what the hell was that? Like, when, what, what is that movie even about? And you're not going to, in this day and age, when inflation is high, the pandemic is still going on, and where you can just stay at home, you're just going to do that. Top Gun Maverick, one of the best marketed movies of the year. You can't even pass it by. It stars Tom Cruise. It's based on the original Top Gun. Here's some cool images of jets. That's it. And you look at some other stuff, even like Jurassic World. I didn't like Jurassic World to many. I thought it was really bad. I didn't like it at all. I really hated it, to be quite honest. <sighs> but they marketed the hell out of that original trilogy. I mean, the original trio of Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, and Sam Neill. That's why it did well. Because yeah. people were like, I want to see them again. I knew people who were like, I haven't seen the other ones, but I want to see that one because I remember those guys. And you look at like, like even like stuff like, you know, like stuff like Uncharted, they know how to sell it to their video people, they, the minions, they know how to sell the minions it's just about marketing at this point. I think that what has happened to theaters and studios is they forgot how to kind of market because social media changed everything and that, you know, they got addicted to that. And it's time to come home a little bit. It's time to come back to knowing what you do best.
0: Yeah. Uh, As you know, I always like to close by asking if there's anything I should have asked. What do you think people should know about what's going on in the business right now?
1: Um, I think people should know more about uh, where uh, about the impact of inflation on all of this. I think if uh, I've read a lot of data that has shown one of the biggest issues that's going to hit theaters and streaming is just inflation hits everything. But uh, I think that what people are going to have to really see is that we're seeing people tighten their belts across the board. I think we're going to start seeing that with more uh, production costs, things of like that. I think the days of potentially the $500 million Marvel movie may be behind us. Does that, does that mean we're going to get better Marvel movies? I don't know. Netflix is definitely cutting back. So I think it's very interesting right now. I'm not, a econom- I'm not an economist. I almost called an economist. I'm not an economist, but I will say that paying attention to how much inflation right now, it's going to hit streaming first, and then it could... And it might help theaters. It might actually help them or hinder them. That's what I think is going to be interesting to watch as we go forward for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, Frank, thanks for being on the show. Always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, go back to the movie theater, folks. Find something you want to watch. It's uh, it's boom times out there. Uh, go see Top Gun Maverick again. I, I've seen it twice. It's great. Or Elvis. Elvis is pretty see fun. Elvis. I liked Elvis a lot. I did pro, too. Pro Elvis in this in this. Pro house. Wiggles.
1: Pro Wiggling.
0: All right. All uh, right. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. Uh, and I will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. See you guys then.